Hello, and welcome to Hope for the Heart. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. I want to go ahead and right off the bat give you a context to where we are so that you may follow along or just listen if you like. I read out of the New American Standard Version, and I'm in Revelation chapter 9, and I'm going to read just two verses for you, verses 20 and 21, and then we will discuss these. Revelation chapter 9, the Word of God reads in verse 20, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as to not worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Now, this might be... Uh, disturbing for some just to read this that people just don't want to repent. But I want to give you the, the pretty much the context here so you can understand. It, it even puts more of a focus on this because I think one of the things people don't realize is that during this time, like when these verses, I, I just read two verses, and I lifted them out of the, the text to read them to you, and then I, I put them back in so that I can discuss them. In other words, I give, it, I give, the, give them back to the context and discuss it within the context and the framework for which this book was written. Now remember, folks, this is not some uh, nebulous, nondescript place. This is not fantasy or fairy tale. This, this is real. This is, this is what is going to happen in our world. And this could begin, actually, at any moment or any time. We don't know when this is going to begin. But this is the same world that we see uh, all of this happening in this world. It's the same place where we live. It's the same place where we uh, we watch the news and we see television and we, we hear about all that's out there. We, we go through all of the problems of even the COVID mandates and, and, the, and the problems and the the, uh, the just the hardness of, of, of life itself. This, this is where our schools and our colleges and universities are and our people going to work every day, day in and day out, doing jobs and, and, and just, as many would say, just struggling to make a living or to keep up with the inflation, trying to eat and live and get married and raise their kids and, and do the normal things, as some would call normal things, uh, that everybody does. And it's just coming down around them, inconceivable destruction. And so and what I mean by that is this is the same world. And imagine suddenly your world changing tomorrow or the next week like what we read here. And, and you would think that when, when the world sees like all that is happening just in chapter 9 of these judgments, just with all of the, the demonic activity, you would tend to think, man, if I was an unbeliever and I were in that situation and all this destruction that, that, that these people are seeing, man, I'd fall down on my knees and praise God, worship God. I would repent of, of my sins, my neighbor's sins. I'd repent of everybody's sins. I would do everything I could. I'm being facetious there. I would do everything I could. I'd fall on my face and beg God uh, and turn to him. But that's not what this verse says. This this passage says they don't do that. 
But by now, remember, these people have seen the world uh, in a whole different light than they've seen before. They've seen the furious judgments. They've seen devastation of everything that they treasure. They've seen the evil of the Antichrist. They have been blasted with demonic activity and, 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 and Satan's activities. They, they've heard relentless and miraculous preaching of the gospel in the midst of all this. And many will not respond. And we know that many do respond. Many people come to know Christ during this time. But this passage is so disturbing because it's right at the end of what we have been reading in Revelation chapter 9 with two demonic uh, attacks. The first section, 1 through 12, is demonic activity straight from the pits of hell. And these demons are tormenting men for five months so bad that they want to kill themselves and it says death flees from them. In other words, they can't even die and get over it. Uh, so they've seen that. And then, and then the last week we looked at, uh, beginning in verse 13 through 19, they see we see four angels being released at the Euphrates River. And these four have with them 200 million other angels, or demons as we call them. They're angels, but they're evil angels. They're the angels that fell with Lucifer from heaven that rebelled in his rebellion against God. And so these 200 million go about the earth and kill one-third of mankind. Now, we said last week, could they see these demons? We don't know. There's every indication they could not see them because these are spiritual beings. John sees them, but that doesn't mean man can see them. John sees them because he is in heaven and he is told to write the things which he sees so he's being able to see things that we will not see or the people on earth will not see as they're going through it so it's a terrible time on earth with all the natural destruction earthquakes weather changes uh, weird things in the sky fire coming from from the sky from heaven and the, the sun and the moon and the stars all being affected and the, the water and the trees and the grass all being destroyed. And you think, wow, these people on earth are seeing a tremendous amount of destruction. They've been given grace and mercy as a gift that they will not take. They just ignore and refuse to take it. Well, this is the same kind of problem that we see throughout the Old Testament. But here, in this New Testament, in the book of Revelation, there's still a mass of humanity that's going through this, that have not been saved, not come to know Christ. That's, it's amazing to look at them, the hardness of their hearts. So I want to read to you verse 20, just the first part again. Verse 20, the very first part of chapter 9, it says, And the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues, that would mean that two-thirds of the rest of humanity, the remaining two-thirds that were not killed by these plagues, did what? What did they do? Well, look at what it says. They did not, or were not killed by these plagues, did not, look at it, repent of the works of their hands. They didn't 
quit. They didn't stop. They didn't turn it over or release it and turn to God. They did not repent. They did not turn away from that. And so I think one of the main things about this section is that we must realize that repentance is always the issue. If people don't repent, well, they perish. And they go to eternal judgment. And it doesn't matter whether they believe it or not. That's going to be their destiny, whether they believe it or not. You repent of sin or you go to judgment. And that is just the way it simply is. That's why in Luke twenty four forty seven it says, Repentance is to be preached to all nations. But if they're so hard that they've made it all the way through this point, guess what? I don't think they're going to repent. It's an amazing thing to look at the destruction uh, and during the tribulation period on earth. It's seven years. That's how quick it's going to go by. And we're actually looking at now in the last three and a half years, and, and it's, they don't repent. They don't repent. And it says it twice, and the seventh trumpet will blow. Look at chapter 16 if you, if you want to just look at something that's amazing. Chapter 16, verse 1, is the beginning of another round of uh, judgments. And then look at what what it says in verse 9 of chapter 16. And men were scorched with the fierce heat. This is talking about the sun. The God's going to turn up the heat on the sun and just scorch the people on earth. And but look at what it says in verse 9 of of, of uh, chapter 16 uh, of Revelation. Chapter 16 verse 9. The men were scorched with fierce heat and they they didn't repent again, but look at what they do. They blaspheme the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they here it is, they did not repent so as to give him glory. And so God turns up the heat, gives them another thing of a judgment. Look at verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the, 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 the earth. And verse 11, they blaspheme the God of, of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. But that's not enough. After even more, we're going to see even more stuff happening. Verse 21, and huge hailstones, about a hundred pounds each. Now, we just had hail the other day. And it was was like pea size, just just little little pieces of, of it. And this says huge hailstones. 100 pounds each. Now, we're going to cover all that later, but just for the point of this, what I'm trying to say in this illustration, is that 100 pounds, hailstones falling from the sky, how many would it take to hit your house to to destroy it? Well, you can probably figure that out. Came down from heaven upon men. They actually fall upon men. And men do what? Does it say they repent? No. It says men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. So, ladies and gentlemen, I guess what I, what I want to say is this. This passage is so disturbing because it doesn't matter how much judgment is out there. Men don't respond to Christ. They do not repent because of judgment. We're at the end of almost 21 different judgments in Revelation, and still there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that do not repent. If judgment brought repentance, I think everybody would repent 
But it doesn't. It doesn't do that. God prepares the hearts of those to receive Him. And I know that's, that's a difficult thing for us to even contemplate. But people, you have to ask yourself, why do they not repent? Well, we, 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 we can see this discussion all the way back to the Old Testament. We're going to look at that. But he begins to name five different sins that are representative of the defiance of this group of people. There's two-thirds of the rest of the population that did not die. But this is also two-thirds of the people that had torment from demons just a few months before. And this is also people who have seen all the destruction on the earth. But look at what it says. Uh, did not repent of the, of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Well, that's idolatry. And this, what this means is they, these are man-made gods. This is, people are so distraught. People are in, in the midst of so much evil. And yet they still feel and sense a desire to worship. So what do they do? They make a god. Now, let me just give you a point of uh, illustration on this. If you were to go into your backyard, and I'm going to be facetious about this, but just think about this, and you see a stick over to the side and you go pick it up. I want you to think about this the next time you pick up a stick in your yard. That's what these people would call a god. They could pick up a stick or a rock or, or make or fashion it or carve it or curve it or whatever they wanted to do to it and make a, a, a different form out of it as far as a, a, they could make a shape out of it, like carve a little bit on a stick. And imagine holding that stick up and saying this, Oh, great stick. Oh, mighty, wonderful stick. Thank you. I pray that you will give me strength today. Give me courage for all that is happening on this earth so that I won't see it or I won't be hurt by it. Can you imagine doing that? Picking up a stick and praying to it. Asking that stick to protect you. Or how about a rock? Or how about a big log and you take and you carve on it for two days and you make it into whatever shape you want to make it or can make it. And you pray to it. Oh, great and wonderful stick. You think, well, boy, you're being silly. Well, it is, isn't it? But that's what they do here. They, it says the works of their hands, meaning they make this. Whether they, they may even add gold to it or make it out of silver or brass or stone or wood. And then the word says none of these can neither see. And you think, well, a, a stick can't see. A stick can't hear, and a stick can't walk. Put that in the, in the point of my illustration. A stick can't do any of those things. But yet you're going to pray to it? Come on, really? Uh, th- there's, there's nothing in different than that, than taking a, a pencil off your desk or pen and praying to your pencil. Or a lamp in your room or a chair. It's the same kind of thing. But yet this shows the religious nature of these people. This earth has been flooded with demonic activity. And so people are driven to to almost insanity, yet they still want to worship. But they don't worship the God. They do not worship, as it says, the one who is, is, well, let me just read it to you again. The one who has the power over these plagues. In verse six, verse nine of verse of chapter sixteen, 
They blaspheme the name of God who has the power over these plagues. This God, the creator of all things, he can see, he can hear, and he can speak, and he can move, and he can walk, and they don't pray to him. They pray to an inanimate object. They pray to a stick or a stone. That's the condition of the people on earth. So when it says they do not repent, man, this is crazy. This is the same thing Elijah did with the prophets of Baal back over in 1 Kings. In 1 Kings, uh, it's, an, it's actually an incredible story I won't go to. I don't have time to cover all that. But Elijah came near the prophets of Baal and challenged them. Man, you, you set a sacrifice on top of some wood and call down your God to light it, to, to accept it, to put it on fire and, and, and do it. But the prophets uh, made fun of them because they couldn't get their God to respond because their God can't respond. There is A false God is not just another choice of God. A false God is a no God. There's no God there. There's only one God. It doesn't matter if you call something a God. It's not a God. It may be a God to you, but it's not. It can't hear, walk, see. It can't respond at all. So Elijah challenged him. Then he mocked him. And he said, perhaps your God is sleeping or resting or he's just indisposed. He can't be bothered right now. And then they, he has them uh, put a sacrifice on top of wood on his, and he drenches it three different times full of water, digs a little trench around it, just floods it with water, calls on the name of the God, and... Uh, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. He is the Lord. He is God. That's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. What an amazing, amazing story that is. Uh, but, but this tells you how far back this has been going. And in fact, another tremendous passage which... I wish, in fact, I hope some of the people who are preaching the gospel read this one during the time of tribulation to these people. Uh, in, in chapter 46 of Isaiah, uh, God speaking to Israel says, To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me uh, that we should be alike? In other words, why are you worshiping a stick? I mean, are you comparing that stick to the to one creator God? And look, look at this. Those who lavish gold with a purse and weigh silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith to make it into a god. Bow down, and indeed they worship it. They lift it upon the shoulders and carry it, and they set it in its place, and it stands there, and it does not move from its place. Well, it can't move. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Well, that's the same thing that's going to be happening in the tribulation period. These stones, sticks, or false gods cannot deliver them from the judgments that are facing the earth and which these people are struggling moment by moment to even stay alive. Yet they're praying to these kinds of false gods. Well, look at what else God says in Isaiah 46. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I don't care what you can shape. I don't care who you pray to. There is no God like the Creator God in heaven. Look at what he says in verse 10. If you happen to write these down, I don't expect you to turn to them that quick. But verse 10 of Isaiah 16, I mean 46, says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things which have not been done, 
saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. Then it says this, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. That means that from the very beginning of creation, God is able to declare that which is going to happen later, which is what this book of Revelation is. It's much later. It still hasn't happened. John is telling us through a vision and through the revelation of God what is actually going to happen to this earth. And people don't believe it. We won't believe it now, and they won't believe it when they're going through it. Yet Satan worship is going to be on the rise. After all that's been through, they are told that they are they, these people do not repent. But what's important about all this in in Revelation chapter nine? What's important? Let me let me just give you what's important point about all this. These gods aren't able to cope with what's happening. These people can't turn to their god and help them cope. They are being so committed to their gods that in spite of the inability of their gods to do anything, they stick with them. Think about that. How disturbed should it, how warped is that? How empty is that? How desperate is that to pray to a stick that's in your yard? Man, it's just a frightening thing. This is how deep and resolute their unbelief has become. In spite of all the demonic activity, in spite of everything that's in front of their eyes. Have you ever thought about some of the miracles God has performed throughout the Bible? I used to always think as a much younger person, I wonder what it would have been like to have been with Moses and see him lift his arms and that Red Sea opens up, just peels back to where there's a wall on both sides and they're able to walk across on dry land. What would that have been like, the, the, the miracle that they saw? I always say, well, man, wouldn't that make you want to just fall to your face and worship God? But many did not. But I want to give you something. And the reason this is so important that I want to bring this out is because when it says the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works, but look at what it says, so as not to worship demons. They don't know they're worshiping demons in some cases, just like today. I think people are worshiping demons and they don't have any idea what they're doing. Anybody, anybody, and I want you to hear this, anybody who worships an idol, any false god, you hear me, is worshiping a demon. Psalm 96, 5 says this, all idols are demons. Well, what do you mean? You make a little idol, you take a stick out of your backyard, you decide you're going to bow down to it, and even though it's wood or your stick or gold or silver or whatever, a demon will take hold of that, impersonate the God you think that is in that idol, and do enough stuff in response to you to make you think that that false idol or that stick can hear you or respond to you. That's why the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, you you cannot come to the table of the Lord and and then go to your house of worship and and worship demons. You can't can't go from, from God to a demon. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, idol worship in one sense is worshiping nothing. In another sense, it's worshiping the demon impersonating the nothing. Now think about that one for a minute. 
They worship the dragon, it says in Revelation 12. They worship the beast out of the pit. They worship the demons. This is Satan's worship gone wild. And boy, he has the world right where he wants them. They are not even willing to look and turn to God. We already have it, don't we, in our world? Satan worships everywhere. And yet we don't believe it. We don't hear we don't think about it because that is he didn't want to be revealed. He didn't want people to know that they're worshiping him. At this point it becomes pandemic. Man, you talk about a pandemic. It's not going to be like COVID. It's going to be a time of religiosity in the world and spiritualism and mysticism, idolatry, all kinds of things that are going to involve Satan in the occult, in the underworld, and demons will be in full force everywhere. Who does evil hate or evil hates the light? And John 3.20 says, that men don't come to the light because their deeds are evil. They don't want to be exposed. Evil will be everywhere. And in the midst of all this evil, it is going to be an interesting, interesting, terrible place to live. But then he names another one. He says, nor of their, they don't repent of their murders. Murder has become number one. In fact, it's been like that since the tribulation has begun. Remember, that was actually the second seal opened. Was that they they take uh, the when he opens the second seal in Revelation chapter six, uh, it says he broke the second seal and I heard the living creature come and a red horse went out. He who sat on it was granted to take peace from the earth. Listen to this: that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. In other words, what this is is all through the tribulation period, man is going to fight against one another. This is actually man against man, not nation against nation. It's individual against individual, killing. It's been there's been a lot of killing going on. They've been killing each other uh, for years now through here. In fact, we this has always been a thing on our world. In fact, lately it's been. Uh, there's been a, almost like a war has been declared on cops. It's just crazy. Violent crime is out of control now, but it's not as bad as it's going to be. Law and order is is long gone into history. It's like, we are we ever going to return to a peaceful society where law and order reigns? We have a wretched society of wicked people who will not respond to God or to the gospel. They are literally infested with demons all over the place. That's today. We don't even see it because we wouldn't believe it if we were told. But look how it's going to be. And then he mentions the, the, a, a third one. Number three, look at what he says. Not only their murders, uh, but their, their sorceries. And that is the word from which we get pharmacy or pharmaceutical. This is the word that is bigger than just drugs, and though, although it literally can be translated druggings. Uh, whatever it is that they're used to dull their senses, uh, it could be any of the drugs that will be around at this time, which will be probably all kinds of stuff. Whatever it is they use to induce their satanic worship, whatever impure occult practices they use to get deep into witchcraft, drunkenness, drugs, senses... uh, all their incantations, their mystic man- mantras, and whatever induces their religious experience, cavorting with mediums, spirits, and the deception of Satan. They're not about to let go of all that. That too will be rampant. 
it's coming, folks, and it's going to be wild. And you think that all that is going on, and then you look at the fourth one, which parallels all these go hand in hand. Remember, none of these are, people are willing to repent of. They, they, they are locked down with them. They're engrossed in them. Then it says of their immoralities. Well, immoralities is, is the word we get for pornea, from which we get the word pornography. It means sexual sins will go unchecked. If you think homosexuality or rape or pedophilia, child molestation or bestiality or lewdness or fornications are going to be strong now, wait till then. You can't even be, you won't even be able to conceive of what they will be like then. Sexual dissipation and perversion beyond description. Remember, they're not willing to repent of this. None at all. And then uh, number five, he adds thefts. And then look how he throws that in. Nor immorality, nor of their thefts. One writer puts it like this. He says, Honestly, thefts will pretty much be non-existent. There won't be anything. People would just be fighting one another for, for anything. In fact, this, this reminds me, when I first went to seminary, I went to Dallas Seminary, and uh, we had to spend one day a week doing some kind of a uh, uh, outside of the classroom ministry, and I know that me and a couple of others, we would go to the rescue mission in Dallas, Texas. And we've start, we've talked to some of these homeless. And I remember one of the guys asked uh, this, we were talking to two or three of them there, uh, and then before you know it, there was like five or six homeless guys. And he asked me, he said, what is the greatest problem you guys face living on the street? Well, it, it really surprised me what their answer was. I did not expect that. But one of them said, well, it's easy. So the biggest problem we have to deal with is people stealing from one another. Homeless stealing from homeless. And uh, I remember thinking, well, what could they steal? What, you don't really have anything. What could they steal? And, uh, and we got into that. They said they can steal your blanket. They can steal your, your, any of your possessions. And so you have to pretty much sleep on top of your stuff. And I thought, wow, that's an amazing thing. Well, this is how the world's going to be. This is what's going to be happening at all this time. Nobody can do anything about it. But what's coming, and there's still more judgments to come. Unbelievers need to understand this. Man, they're living their best life now. Because after all this is over, they're going to die and be, they're going to go to their eternal destiny, which is judgment and damnation. And if that's the case which it is, uh, it is going to be terrible. This will be good compared to what they're going to. And yet this is terrible. Think about the believers that are having to see this and witness this. You see, at the same time of all this, the gospel is still being preached. It's still being preached. Remember, God said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? That's an amazing thing that we could ask people, even today. Why would you choose hell over heaven? Why would you? We look at the, we look at the world around us, we think, man, how much worse can it get? Well, it can get a lot, a lot worse. And as bad as it is, it isn't as bad as hell itself. And though unbelievers may never experience this because they will die before it happens, 
they'll experience something far worse. If we could even imagine such a thing, it is wrong for us as Christians to not be willing to share the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world. It's like we said last time, Vance Havner, famous Southern preacher, said this, the real test of how much we believe of prophetic truth is what we're doing to warn men to flee from the wrath to come. Well, do we even believe there's a wrath to come? We need to be warning people to believe the solemn truths of prophecy. Do we really believe it? And then to make our way complacency through a world of sin and shame is not merely unfortunate, it is criminal. Unquote by Vance Habner. In other words, what do you do with the truth you have that God's allowed you to have? You realize any truth that we have, God just allows us that truth. So I challenge you today, do not take your Bible for granted. Read your Bible. Pray to the one and only God. If you do not know Him in a personal relationship, repent of your sins. Call on God to save you, to cleanse your heart so that you're able to repent and turn from your wicked ways. I thank you. Thank you for joining us today. For now, this has been William Rogers, and you've been listening to Hope for the Heart. Next time, we'll look at Revelation chapter 10. I can't believe we're moving so fast through the book of Revelation. But thank you for today, and I pray that you'll come back next time. Thank you.